Hello. Hello. Good morning. How are you, Seiji? I am doing well. Very excited to do this. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Oh, thanks for inviting us. Um, I guess I can explain what I'm trying to do. So basically, I'm trying to explore people's lives through that video game kind of lens. So how um, video games have affected their lives. If you're ready, I have usually like a little bit of an icebreaker exercise. Um, I run an emotion randomizer. <laughs> there are 10 words or 10 emotions. And the objective of this exercise is basically I'll tell you the word and then you guys can tell me the first game that comes to mind. Sounds good. We're ready. We got we a coffee ready. and we're ready. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first word is peaceful. Uh, a meadow. No, you're supposed to say a game. Oh, a game? A game. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I blew, blew it right out of the gate. <laughs> okay, a game. Um... So the first word is peaceful. Uh, journey. Um, Edith Finch. The next word is silly. Silly. Um, Sonic. Monkey Island. Next word is furious. Oh, doom. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to say Final Fantasy 2-4. Because that's how I felt <laughs> towards the end. Uh, next word is excited. Um, Animal Crossing. It makes me excited when a new one comes out. Yeah. And I was going to say Final Fantasy. Yeah. For the same reasons. I was really excited for um, 13. I really followed that one leading up to its launch. Uh, next word is worried. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fantasy Star. It's a hard one. Um... Like, my immediate reaction was, again, Final Fantasy 2-4, because I was worried because I wasn't finishing it before I was on the podcast. Next one is Determined. Determined. Um, I'm going to say Nathan Drake Among Thieves, because I'm determined to finish that this month. Yeah. I'm going to say Catherine. Oh, yeah. That was a good, that's a good one. Uh, next one is Trapped. Uh, Resident Evil. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to say Doom. Next one is Lovely. Uh, Wind Waker HD. Uh, let's see. What's Lovely? Lovely, Lovely. Um, Super Mario 3D World. Oh. That's a lovely game. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, frustrated. Mm. Is that me again? It's you again, baby. Oh, man. Can I say? I, I want to say Catherine again. Ooh. That game frustrated me. Yeah, in recent memory. <laughs> I am going to say that. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, Parappa the Rapper. Hmm, nice. And the last word is hopeful. Hopeful. I'm going to say Octopath Traveler. All right, well, I'm going, I'm going with Metroid Prime 4. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Are we all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next part of the conversation always like to start with you know the beginning so yeah. any of you can start um is can you tell me about your first gaming memories okay do you want to go okay i'll go yeah you start okay um my first gaming memories i um remember having an atari as a child I also remember having a um, ColecoVision because I remember playing uh, Donkey Kong on it. Uh, so my um, my parents are divorced. And so my dad uh, was into always buying like cool stuff. And so we had both of those systems. Um, I also remember that my cousin, who's just two years older than me, her parents were also divorced, and her dad would also buy her all the cool stuff. Plus, she was an only child, so she would really get all the cool stuff. And so we would also go over to her house and play the same video games as well. Um, 
so those were like the two beginning systems we had. And then um, eventually uh, the NES came out, but I was older and um, he had that at like his house with his new wife and uh, they had a, a little girl. And so um, we would just kind of play it on the weekends when we'd go visit him. And then video games kind of dropped off for me. And by that time, I was kind of getting into high school and stuff. So, For me, uh, Melissa and I are about the same age, so I also grew up with the Atari. <clears throat> I remember my folks bringing home this big box. Uh, we had a babysitter, and they, they came home, and we were still up, and they brought home this big box. And we didn't really know what it was, but it had a bunch of pictures of TV screens and games on it, and we thought that was great. And so it was supposed to be a gift for my dad. Uh, but, um, it took them, I, I, for, it seems to me like it took them forever to set it up. It was probably just a day or two, but they finally set it up and, um, really it was us kids that got into it. They had combat, of course, which came with it and bowling and home run, which were, you know, they were kind of, you know, they were, they were okay games. You know, we knew baseball certainly and bowling was okay. Uh, and combat was two players. So that was a lot of fun, but it wasn't until, um, and we maybe had only those games for six months or seven months, and that was it. And we kind of played it on and off. But it wasn't until I saw Space Invaders at a neighbor's house, uh, which was sort of the first killer app, at least that I was aware of, uh, that we kind of – I said, hey, you know what? We want Space Invaders for the Atari. And that's kind of when it became the kids. And so uh, after that point, uh, it was mostly the kids playing with the Atari. So, you know, I grew up playing the Atari – uh, Space Invaders and Pac-Man and Pitfall and and all of that stuff and uh, that's what occupied us for for many years um, and then of course there was the uh, video game crash if you will in 1984 and we kind of got out of games for a while and and then uh, and then the NES came out and then of course I'll mention that you know once once we kind of knew about the Atari and we got a little bit older. Uh, we went to uh, uh, Showbiz Pizza or something. What's it called? Chuck E. Cheese Pizza, and we learned about arcade games, and and that was really that really blew us away too because uh, they were so much better than what we had at home. And we learned about Pac. We, that's where we learned about Pac Man and stuff like that. But we didn't get to the arcade very much. It was it was very much a special occasion. So video games really were centered around that Atari for me. And I didn't get a sense of how early this was in your lives, but. Um, was it a point where there were no video games and they, they got introduced? Or ever since you have memories, video games have been, you know, around? You're going to age us, CG. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what year the Atari came out? You're better at... Yeah, I know what year it came out. I'm not sure what year we got it. And I know how to answer his question. Do you want okay. me to go or do you want to go? Well, I just need to know what year the Atari came out. Well, it came out in 77. Okay. Well, I, well, and I we think... didn't get it no, for I don't another think we two got years, it. I don't think. Yeah, so I was probably we we must have gotten it like a lot later because like I would have had to be like seven or eight. I would Did it think. have three switches on it or two? Oh, honey, like I <laughs> Okay. So anyway, so we must like I must have been like between seven and nine when I was getting these um, systems. Okay, and then. Um, Part of my memory is just that, like, my dad got us this really cool gift. You know, like, I didn't know anything about, I don't remember um, knowing much about it. Like, like Eric said, like, he, like, they used to, like, go to the store and see things or something, right? Like, I don't remember that. It was just that my dad got us this really cool Easter present, you know, of this ColecoVision, you know, and it was, like, something fun that we'd have to do at his house. You know, um, so, but I wasn't like kind of aware or reading anything in magazines or anything about them. And then, like I said, like we didn't, there wasn't much until like the NES. And then after that, like I was kind of, I was almost like out of video games at that point. Like I did have a boyfriend in high school that had the Genesis, yeah. the Sega Genesis and CD. Um, cause I even got them a, like they had Aladdin video game as a present. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, but then, then, but I wasn't really playing much at that point. 
I was, you know, I knew about them, but it, they weren't like in my life where we were playing them and stuff. And then it wasn't until college, maybe, where I played Doom on the PC, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because of you. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, like, so for me personally, it was then it all became through Eric again. So it was like through another person. It wasn't like I had something personally. I see. And what about arcades? Uh, well, it's just that when I th- when I think back on 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 those times, late seventies, early eighties, I'm thinking you know arcades are huge in those times. So, but but that wasn't the neither of you like that. That wasn't your experience, right? You you first got introduced to gaming through consoles, it seems. Right. Yeah, I would say that um, we like we didn't go to like arcades themselves, but if there was like a Pizza Hut. Like I do remember playing the four player Ninja Turtles with my dad because I have a brother and a sister. So the four of us would play together. That would have been like at a restaurant or something or a bowling alley. We used to bowl a lot with my dad. Like I don't remember frequenting arcades themselves. This would have been a a, a machine somewhere else that we would have been. Yeah, for me, um, I got my Atari. We must have been, I must have only been about six, five or six maybe when we got it. And so um, I don't think I had a notion of video games prior to that. I mean, we had watched TV. We knew what TV was because we were watching Sesame Street or whatever. Uh, My folks would let us watch. And uh, they brought this thing home and they hooked it up to the TV. And I don't remember being particularly impressed with it as a technology. Um, Maybe, you know, when you're that age, you know, everything is so new or everything is, you just, you just have, you know, you don't have any expectations. So they hooked it up and it's like, okay, so we're playing this thing that, that can be presented on the TV. That's that's kind of cool. I, I do have one distinct memory of looking at the, and if anybody has ever seen Atari combat box art, uh, it's really fantastic, right? It's got airplanes and tanks and all this great stuff. And I'm looking at this box art and I'm looking at what's on the screen and thinking, well, this doesn't, you know, this doesn't look, why doesn't it look like the box art, you know? So I, I remember not being thrilled about the graphics, but um I don't remember being, you know, anything impressed with it as a technology. It was just something that existed in the world. And, you know, as we as we got older um, or as time went by a little bit. Yeah, we we, we played we, we got introduced to arcades. And I think I mentioned showbiz pizza. That's what the one was called by mm-hmm. us. And of course, as Melissa mentioned, there was places like Pizza Hut or whatever that had, you know, maybe a tabletop uh, arcade game. And I can't remember what what mine had. I think they probably had Galaga or Ms. Pac-Man or something. Um, but it really wasn't until we saw the arcades at showbiz where there were lines and lines of machines. And it was like, wow, this is, this is really impressive. But at the time to me, it made no sense to plop a quarter into a game that I was no good. at. I was going to lose in 10 seconds when I could, you know, play games uh, over and over again at home. Um, so, so really, it really was, I mean, I saw the arcades. I never really played them because I didn't have the pocket money to do that. And I wasn't good enough to make it worthwhile. So it was always a matter of what we had at home. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's hard to say from as a young child. I mean, I was maybe five or six. Yeah, there was a point in my life where there were no video games. But for the most part, I would say we grew up. We grew up with video games being um, being a part of our lives. Uh, and there were a few years here and there where maybe it fell out of favor, like maybe in 1984, or 85. We kind of there wasn't, you know, Atari was dead and we didn't have a Nintendo or anything. And we played games on the PC a little bit. but. Um, and then maybe there were times in school where we were out of it a little bit, but for the most part, they've been a huge part of my life, um, kind of since the beginning, I would say. And it sounds like that for you too, hon. Um, what would be your first gaming memories, you know, both of you together? Oh, that's easy, right? Go ahead. Yeah. What is it? So it's Doom. uh, The original Doom. The original Doom for the PC. Uh, you had had it. My mom actually, um, had played Wolfenstein. 3D Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein 3D. 3D. Yeah. Um and so I was um aware of that and you know and Doom is was, the, yeah. you know it was like after it came after that right so that's why so I was like oh what's this Doom you know and so you showed me and so I played let me you know play it um and so and it was on his computer in his dorm room Yeah. That was when we were in college. Yes. We, I uh if you will, uh, I came across a copy of Doom 
<laughs> and uh, uh, we had it installed on my computer and it worked pretty well. And so uh, I was into PC games at that time. Um, I had played Wolfenstein 3D. You know, I bought a sound card. I bought a sound blaster just for Wolfenstein 3D. Um, and so we got this Doom, right? And uh, I had it on my on my, on my PC for, mm. for school. And so we, we were playing it. And, you know, I played it and she saw it and she was kind of into it. So I remember, yeah, I remember that's what we... Yeah. That's when I knew she was a keeper. I'm like, this girl, you know, likes to play Doom. Now she gets scared. Yeah. She's she's kind of afraid of the game, but she would play it. And so that was easily the first uh, gaming experience that we had. shift in technology in types of video games and stuff like that which is the introduction of the nes and eric you, you mentioned that you weren't really impressed technologically with you know with the 2600 um, mm -hmm. but how was it for the nes so my first impression of the nes was okay yeah technology moves forward and the games look um they obviously look better but uh At that time, I was also thinking, this was like 1985 or 1986. And I remember, I, I distinctly remember thinking to myself, or you know, I, and I was just, I'll just say it generally as video games, even though we were playing PC games at the time. Video games, who cares about video games anymore? Because it had kind of fallen off, right? The Atari, we went through that sort of, that crash, that lull where we had the Atari and they were dumping cartridges and we had bought a few, but I did not, I guess, did not fully appreciate at the time how the improvements in technology were going to improve the gameplay. So I saw better graphics, but I'm like, ah, no one cares about playing video games anymore. And so I, I thought the thing was kind of dumb. You know, I'm one of those, I'm, I'm like those retailers, right, who, who didn't want to bet on the thing. And it took me several, you know, years of hearing, I would say two years, maybe, uh, 86, 87, I wasn't really paying that much attention. We had a PC. It was still CGA graphics. So it's not like we were playing like anything really great. But that was one of the lulls in, in my life where I'm like, well, I'm not really into games. Um, I knew the NES was out there. I knew it had better graphics, but I wasn't really interested in the games. And, and then I started hearing more and more people sort of talk about um, talk about the games, right, at school or whatever. And, and, and uh You know, I started to think, well, maybe, you know, maybe there's something here. You know, these games, you know, we saw we were we were inundated. But with, I remember the Legend of Zelda commercials, right? You know, that, that goofy commercial with the guy screaming in his black turtleneck. And uh, uh, so, you know, I'm like, well, that, you know, that seems compelling. That that sounds interesting. These, these games are actually more sophisticated. And and of course, we had heard of Super Mario Brothers and stuff like that. But um Ultimately, I guess I'll admit for anybody who doesn't know, I, we, my family and I ultimately <laughs> didn't get an NES regardless. We ended up getting a master system, but, but it oh. took us several years to say, to say, <laughs> <laughs> to say, and it was me finally that to convince my brothers, but it, it took us a couple of years to say, Hey, you know what? This technology is improving and the games are, are going, going in new and interesting directions. So, uh, but admittedly, I, I was a skeptic at first of, of, uh, the relaunch of, of consoles. And of course, history has proven me, you know, utterly wrong. in that the, the NES was, you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest console of all time. What all for you, Melissa? Like, I remember you saying that your family also got a, an NES. Were you impressed, not impressed? Um, you know, at that point when we had it, I want to say it was like eighth grade freshman year of high school. Mm. And I, I don't remember, like, I don't remember watching TV going, oh, what's this NES? I want this and stuff. Like, again, it was just something my dad had brought home, and it was something for us to do at his house on the weekends. And, I mean, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I, 
I don't know if I was at the point where I was like, Ooh, those graphics are really good. Like this is, this is really interesting. You know, it was more like, okay, when's it my turn to play Mario? You know, my brother died now move over and let me play. That was more of my thought at the time. (laughs) And I guess age also plays a big role. Yeah. And I think just being a girl in eighth grade, you know, freshman year high school, I wasn't thinking about video games, you know. I was thinking about my friends and what I was going to do with my girlfriends and clothes shopping I was going to do and what movies I was going to go watch with them instead of staying home and playing video games, I guess, at that point. Mm-hmm. And do you think that boys have that sort of same thought process at, at that age or, or what was your experience? I don't know. I maybe And maybe because it wasn't... Um, Because like I said, it was like at my dad's house. So I wasn't really like, it was was kind of an afterthought. I wasn't there all the time, right? Because I lived with my mom. So I only saw it on the weekend when I I was at my dad's house. I don't know. I I think maybe at that time, my interest just wasn't into like video games as much, right? And so maybe, I don't know, maybe boys are more interested in that. I could get in trouble for this. I do think that boys and girls think differently. So I would think that, you know. Maybe boys would be more interested, you know, I know like later and a couple of years later, the boyfriend that I had, he was interested in video games. I didn't know anything about like the Genesis or anything. I just knew that he had that. Yeah. But it wasn't like something on my radar that I had thought about or wanted or was wondering if we would get at some point. Yeah. Whereas for me, we saw, I mean, I sought it out after, after a few years, I sought it out, right? It was something that once I heard a little bit about it, then I, I did go and seek out information and look into, you know, what was available on the NES and the SMS. And so it's not something that, you know, it's not something that fell, you know, it just was at our house, right? Yeah. It was after the Atari that landed in our lap. And and maybe that's, you know, just, it just reflects a general interest on my part in technology or it, it seemed like something, I don't know. I've always thought video games are a fun, uh, a fun thing to do. So like, I don't know the specifics about you know statistics and, and such but it is my my general impression that girls tend to grow out of like toys and you know media that has uh-huh. to do with with childhood quicker i don't know why might uh-huh. be some sort of a social pressure or expectation not sure and and boys do tend not not all of them but do tend to you know to develop a different kind of fondness you know it starts you know as toys and then it it it, it morphs into other things i don't, I don't mm-hmm. think that toys represent the same thing for for kids as for teenagers but they do like them and collect them and stuff like that more often than girls but this is an observation because both of you seem to have a similar experience which is once you know boys and girls start you know dating mm-hmm. right games get reintroduced right mm-hmm. which was your experience and and at and at that point, like, why is it that, hey, I don't have an interest for video games, but now that, you know, I'm, I'm older or, you know, I have a boyfriend and all of a sudden it becomes, again, a viable form of entertainment. Like, why do you think that is? Well, um, for me, I guess, I guess because I enjoyed them as a kid, right? I enjoyed playing as a kid. I enjoyed watching it, you know, watching people play. Um, cause, uh, I grew up, you know, with my brother and sister doing it. And then again, like I said, with my cousin, so that was something that we did, you know, younger. And then when I grew up and had the a boyfriend in high school who enjoyed it, I guess that was something that we could do together. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was still something that, that was enjoyable to me. It was just something that I didn't, I just didn't seek it out. And now that could also be because I didn't like, I didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of money growing up um with my mom um so maybe for me personally it wasn't something that i seeked out because i knew it wasn't something that i could attain for myself so i I have a couple thoughts for me i think one of the things that made video games interesting is that um it's something that you could do to entertain yourself it was a it was a means of entertainment i mean so there's tv but 
But when you, when it comes to other forms of entertainment, a lot of them require, you know, another person. Let's say you're going to play a board game or do whatever, right? And so video games have this one benefit, this one unique characteristic, although I suppose it's shared with television again. But it has this characteristic where it's a, it's a way that you can entertain entertain yourself. And it doesn't depend on other people and it doesn't depend on coordinating with anybody. And so you could just sit down and you could play it, right? And so, I, you know, I had a friend who was a single child. He was really into video games, right? You mentioned to your cousin who was a single child. Mm -hmm. She had video games. And so I had brothers and stuff. So we were fighting over them. But but it was something that you could do on your own. And so from one aspect, that's kind of what, what brought it to me. So And then in college, if I can segue into that... Uh, we, we had a TV, I suppose, but we didn't really – did we have service? There, there, there was no TV, right? One of the things that we had available to us was a PC. It was there because we had it for our schoolwork, and you could put these games on it. And at any time you want it, without any coordination with anybody else, without any permission, you could just go and you could sit there and you could play a game and you could entertain yourself. And so, you know, when I first started playing Doom or playing these PC games, I mean, that was my motivation, right? It was like I don't need, you know, any. I, I'll just sit down and I'll, I'll entertain myself with this for an hour. And I would do that, right? And then Melissa would come in or my roommates would come in and they would observe that I was playing this game, right? And and Doom is compelling, right? You look at it and there's <laughs> there's it's, the graphics were really impressive for the time and the sound is really cool. And so I, I think, you know, you, you start to share in that, you know, you get pulled in, you get you get shared, you share that excitement. And then it becomes, then it becomes um, more of a social thing where you see these other people doing this and you're like, hey, you know, I, I want to try that too. And so I think that's what happened with Melissa. And so- at Doom, at that point, we weren't playing multiplayer, right? We didn't have two computers set up with a LAN, so it's not like we were playing, you know, multiplayer, uh, what do they call it, the deathmatch. Um, <laughs> we were playing it individual. We were just kind of watching over each other. So um, I've already now forgotten the, the, the original question. <laughs> it, it, but it, I, my point, I guess I wanted to make, I think what drew, what, what drew us in, uh, what I will claim drew me in initially was sort of the individual, the solitary uh, notion of it, the, the benefits of it being something that you can do as an individual. But when people are doing that, other people observe that. And, and that's how we got, uh, we would do it. And and even today, mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned, we, we play this experience, the one-on-one. -on -one. We, we enjoy mm -hmm. the, the single player experience, but we observe and watch. Mm -hmm. You watched me play a bunch of games. Mm -hmm. I'm watching you play Uncharted 2. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is still that, there's still that notion of sharing that experience now. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it doesn't have to be shared, but, uh, you know, um, I don't know. That was my point. So I know that in the Q-Dog house, like collecting is a big thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like my wife and I have lived together for a while. Like my wife is not opposed to it, but it, it is a, a, a point of negotiation, like how many, how much space is going to take and such and such. Like uh -huh. how, how did you guys figure that out? <laughs> Do you want to answer that? Uh, well, we can kind of both, we can answer it together, I guess. Well, let me, uh, can I start? Yes, Because uh, I want to say, so, you know, when I, I grew up playing games, you know, we didn't have a lot, right? We, we you know, I, I was pretty normal when, when I, when we finally ended up with the, the end of the Atari, we had uh, roughly maybe 16 or 17 games. And then we got the Master System and we, again, had about a dozen games. And uh, it wasn't until I got into uh, living on my own. Towards the end of college, and when I got my first job, and I was kind of living on my own, and we we had some disposable income, and we started buying we started buying some games. It wasn't I don't think it was meant to be collecting. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it really started when I was on my own with my job. I just started buying stuff, games that I wanted to play, right? And unfortunately, the games I wanted to play were across all manner of console systems, right? So I started buying those consoles. Um, I was into emulation in the late 90s and determined that emulation, I wanted to have a more authentic experience. My PC wasn't powerful enough. So I started buying some old consoles, ColecoVision, uh, Saturn, Sega CD, 
uh, N64. These are the kind of things I started buying because the games I wanted to play were on there. So it wasn't intended to be collection. Collecting was the end result of me buying games I wanted to play. Uh, but then as we got we got married and the, we got more and more of these games, I kept buying games because I was also following, I was following retro to some degree. I was following the new stuff as they were coming out. Uh, like GameCube was one of the first we bought after we were married. Um, and then it became, uh, then it became, I was just kind of buying and accumulating games because I never wanted to sell anything back. Cause I was one of those people that I knew had a strong nostalgic, uh, vein running through my body. And I had always heard people, Oh, I traded all this stuff in and I really wish I hadn't done that. And so I'm like, okay, well I won't do that. So it was accumulation. I will say rather than collecting, collecting. Yes. Uh, but then, uh, I got sucked into the sort of retro and I'd always been playing retro games, right? All throughout the 2000s. And then I really started getting into the retro craze. And then it became, uh, then it became collecting, right? Where it was going beyond just accumulating games I wanted to play. It was actively seeking out older games that had, you know, certain, certain meaning or whatever. And, and, uh, um, so the question was, how do we, how did we, how did we deal? How yes. did we deal? And my 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 <laughs> joke answer is, well, we moved into a bigger house. No, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's not really it. But but we well I, we, also, I don't have a game room. Uh, so yes. so one thing is that we don't have a game room, right? So I have got my games tucked. I mean, we have the den, which is where we are, and you've allowed me to set up shelves and stuff like that. But that's because we have the space. But my games are kind of scattered throughout the house. We haven't set up a specific area for just the games. I have to put them to some degree. Right. You got you have to so store, go ahead. You store them. So yeah, I mean so yeah, so we moved into a bigger house. We have three children. And so that's that, really that's why that's really why a bigger house. But then it became well we have this house now with this room. Where can I put my stuff? And we did have some um discussion and a little bit of disagreement you had store you had bought some billies uh, you know I, I think a lot of people are familiar with the billy cabinets oh, from, from ikea. ikea yeah in our bedroom oh yeah they're in our bedroom they're in our bedroom and when we moved into this house i said i wanted i i wanted nice bedroom furniture something we hadn't had for 15 years yeah and so once we got that then i was like you need to get rid of your billies and so that was kind of a get rid of the game shelves. Yes. And so we, yeah. So she allowed, or we agreed that we would put them down here in the den, which has become the primary um, game, the primary area. game area. But it's not where everything is. No. And then, and then we have we have a we have a hallway upstairs that was just a waste of space. Yeah, it's kind right? of it's a it's a wide hallway, which is a waste of space. So we said let's put some shelves in. But so our compromise was instead of just getting these utilitarian billies yeah. what I'll call them. I wanted something a little bit nicer, but I also didn't want to spend, we had, had seen something at some fancy furniture store and it was like $6,000. And I was like, yeah, well, big, yeah. this is, this is the look I want, but I'm not, we're not paying that. Right. And so we compromised and actually found something at Ikea um, at a much, much reasonable, more reasonable price. And it, it looks a little bit nicer. So that's kind of how we're, compromising this collection and yeah. and a lot of it though too because we still don't have the room to put everything out that you have is tucked away in other cabinets and in boxes in the closet yeah so she doesn't like the boxes in the closet i got a lot of boxes in the closet but well, that's because you have the whole closet thing. it's it's my it's it's my responsibility to kind of keep my stuff tucked away or or out of out of the way and and where we do store them or have them on display, it has to fit in kind of with the house decor. It can't be, you know, I'd love to have these rows and rows of these, you know, the Cartridge Club make these shelves where it's just a couple of two by fours and then they paint them and they're very densely stored. And that would be great. Um, but I have to or try to keep my collection um in shelves in bookcases that that look a little bit more like furniture so that you know to the casual observer uh maybe they just look like books or something um and not uh universal game cases or, or game cases and like you said in the upstairs um it's a little bit nicer shelves um 
so that, you know, anybody just passing by would look at it as just, you know, nice shelves in the hallway as opposed to, you know, stacks of NES games. So it, it's a compromise and I'm okay with it. And uh, eventually when the kids move out, I am going to make the play to have one of the rooms converted over to a game room. But uh, she's been very tolerant of the collection. Um, and uh, I, I think it's, I think it's been working out, although we're, we're pushing, we're pushing the boundaries. Some of the seams are starting to burst a little, so <laughs> we're going to have to figure out uh, how to, uh, how to uh, manage the collection, uh, manage the collection now, because we're kind of running out of empty wall space for new shelves. There's something that, like you mentioned, you didn't have this collector mentality at first, and you just started buying games, but there's something that doesn't really make sense here, which is I know that you have a, a very detailed record of your video game purchases oh, yeah. going back to like 1990, <laughs> like in the mid-90s, right? Yeah. Like how come, like if you don't have that collector mentality, you have all these records? Like how does that work? So initially that spreadsheet was there to um, be an inventory that I wanted to start because I was sick of looking through boxes for controllers and for the equipment that I had. Like, so I'd have my friends over and a couple of times I'd have some guys over from work or my friends over and we would do like a, a game night where we would do like this tour of all the game systems that I had had, which was maybe a half a dozen or something. But to them, that was, you know, that was a lot. And uh, I didn't want to have to dig through boxes. Do I have four PlayStation controllers or do I only have three? So I, I started it that way. But it also turned out, and this is the part I can't justify, for reasons I can't explain, I kept the receipts for all my purchases of video games. And maybe that's the sort of the genesis or the uh, the seed of the collector mentality um, because I had all these receipts. And so I uh, eventually said, you know what? I should just put all these receipts of purchase prices and dates into the spreadsheet also. And so maybe, you know, it's a good question because maybe I, you know, because I never did get rid of anything. Maybe I did sort of have a collector mentality, um, but it was a little different than what I have today because I wasn't out there seeking you know, every, all NES every, games. all NES or all of anything. It was, I was trying to get the games that were like the top tier, you know, what I considered to be sort of the games I wanted to play or the must have games for individual systems. So in some sense, yeah, I guess I collected the systems. I accumulated them, but I really can't explain why I kept those receipts. So maybe there always was sort of a seed of a, of a collector in there. And then I put it into the spreadsheet and then it kind of, it kind of grew from there, but really it was just, I don't know why. I guess, I guess there was that, uh, I guess there was that notion of, of, of collecting, but really it was just to keep a record of everything that I had. Maybe it was, maybe I'll tie it back to, I had to hide some of the stuff, right? I couldn't have it all on display. So in order to know what I had, the, the quickest way was to look at a spreadsheet rather than dig through boxes. But I think we, we also moved uh, several times in a few years. I think that also, was kind of well it helped yeah the reason why you started kind of writing it down too i thought right yeah because that was the stuff even then that was the stuff i cared about it's like i don't care about losing the plates yeah i don't care about losing the other <laughs> stuff but i better not lose my copy of fantasy <laughs> now uh melissa there's something i want to know so it seems like you guys were together for a while before either moving together or getting married i don't know i don't know if those two things are the same event we are the same event. We we didn't move in uh, together until we were married. Uh -huh. So the question is, like, were you aware of this, you know, accumulation of games? At any point, did you think this is something I'm going to have to deal with in the future? Um, I was aware of the accumulation of games. You know, I I because we because because you know he had his own place, and so like I'd, I'd visit, you know, and stuff, and so I knew. Um, I'll tell you. Uh, oh, he, he likes this. He had a like a dining room set oh, uh, yeah. from his parents. You know, they gave him, and it had a china cabinet, like a formal china cabinet. And right when you walked into his apartment, um, you could see this china cabinet across the way into into the like dining room area. And he had it lined with video games. Yeah, and that that's awesome. it was a, he used it for his video game cabinet. So yeah, I was I was totally aware. I I guess I didn't. I didn't, I didn't even think of it as a negative. I honestly didn't think of it as a negative. We had been together for a few years yeah. at this point. I mean, it it 
we dated for a long time before we got married. Yeah. Um, seven, seven, seven years, year, seven yeah, we years. For- so I might not have known like exactly how many, you know, PlayStation games he had or whatever, you know, yeah. but, or Dreamcast games he had, but I knew there was a lot, but that's okay. I was okay with it. lifelong affair with video games and and I don't have any reference because you know my parents you know they didn't grow up playing games but how is it for a gamer family you know how do you guys deal with that how do you guys introduce games to your children and and how do they perceive it what can you guys tell me well um so they see us playing video games uh they actually so we have a a playroom set up for their toys and stuff and it includes a tv and it has video game systems mm-hmm. um we actually gave the kids an xbox one s yeah. for christmas it's too good to pass up too good a deal. it was like a really good deal and um so the kids they play um xbox and playstation upstairs uh yeah. they are big into minecraft um uh, they actually um are they are trying to play overcooked as well cooperatively. Uh, so they they're they're into the newer game systems. I wouldn't say they're into retro so much. They uh, our oldest, she's 12 and she's like, "Oh my gosh, these graphics are so old." No, nah, she's such a yeah. So, but you know, I think that's just kind of her getting into the teen age. They the defiance. Yes. They um they do they do it's funny because they will sometimes say, how much do you spend on your video games? You know, they're always like saying that we buy a lot of yeah. video games because they, because we go to these retro gaming expos and we tend to go on our own. It's a thing that we enjoy together. It's something, you know, that for us. And so they, they, they stay home and they're like, what are you doing? You know? So they're into it. You know, I think they're into it as, as kids their age are into it as well. Maybe not quite as much there, you know, that we, we do limit what they can play. I know a lot of kids, um, even our youngest is seven, even her age are playing things like Fortnite and some of those more mature games, but we don't, we don't allow that. Obviously we've grown up with games Melissa and I, for the most part have grown up with games and I, I don't view games in the negative light that my parents did. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is my opinion that video gaming is, at least as good as watching TV, mm-hmm. uh, if not better for, for kids, right? And so, you know, we were allowed to watch PBS and educational stuff. And, and so I always thought or felt, and we did this, that we would, we would have no problem introducing video games as early as they, you know, expressed an interest or even, even slightly earlier, mm-hmm. if they, even if they weren't expressing an interest. But the way we've done it, because I've been involved and we've been involved in video games, we're well aware of the ESRB rating. And so we we keep their consumption to games that are suitable for their age. And I've always felt that it's okay for them to spend, you know, a couple hours or hours a week. If they're going to watch TV, then they can, you know, they can play games. And I would always say, you know, I'd rather that they played a game than, than, than watch TV because there's that interaction. There's, I think there's some more mental... Uh, it's a different experience. It's more it's more active. It's less yeah. passive than watching TV. And they have to engage their brains and they have to engage, you know, their their reflexes and and so I've always felt that having the kids play games is not a problem and because I'm into it, oftentimes the things that we I suggest if we don't know what to get the kids for Christmas, you know, uh, some of the earliest gifts we got them were Skylanders, right? Mm-hmm. Because hey, look, here's a little toy and guess yeah. what? You can interact with it on your on your TV and we bought them, you know, we would have them play the Lego uh, star Wars games, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Mario and Mario Kart. And so these are games that I think are appropriate for their age. And I, I think it's fine that they, they play those instead of watching TV or whatever, but 
we do try to keep it uh, managed mm-hmm. to, a, to a, a certain amount of time, although we are not always successful. But I guess the short answer is I let, happily let the kids play games and happily provide them with the means to do so and uh, let them play together. And, and, and that's actually worked out pretty well. They love playing Minecraft together. They love playing Overcooked mm-hmm. together. Sometimes there's frustration and mm-hmm. tears, but uh, for the most part, it's been a pretty positive experience. Is this something that comes up with your fellow parents, like this sort of topics? Um, we do have uh, some good friends. They have two children that are the same age as our oldest, our, our oldest two oldest, too. Yeah. They go to school together. And yeah, we talk about it because um, their oldest is a boy. Our oldest are sixth grade and they're yeah. in the games. And he's always like, can I play Fortnite? You know, he's always wanting to play Fortnite and these other games. Um, one of his, one of their classmates played the new Dune, the 2016 Dune. Yeah. And so, you know, he's always like, this person is playing, you know, why can't our friend's boy play Fortnite with us online, you know? So, but our um, girls haven't asked for that. They, uh, they, I Fortnite? Think, I, I think our oldest sometimes wow. might say that, but I think she just wants to say it because everyone's like, everyone else is playing it, right? You know, everyone's jumping off the bridge, so she wants to jump off with them. So, like I said, I try to keep them within the ESRB ratings. Our friends are are along the same lines as us. They too, they don't let them play anything above. I don't think they even let them play team games okay. as well. Not yet. Well, it's so, soon. I mean, first, I want them to be old enough to understand. You know, this is not real, right? These are not real. Uh, this violence is is fake. It's stylized. I, I don't want them exposed to violent. You know, killing of uh, human like characters yet. Mm-hmm. Let them understand some things about the real world. So that they can, you know, they can understand when they see these things. This is this doesn't represent reality. Mm-hmm. Have you guys used video games as a form of education, like to make a point, to teach them a lesson? Mm. Only when we take them away. <laughs> no, I mean, we let them play things. They play things like Minecraft or Overcooked, and I, I certainly think that they learn something from that. But I don't think. I mean, we try, maybe we tried, there was some connect Sesame street game or something. And we bought them some, some learning software, but for the most part, I don't think the, I don't think we do that. We don't, we don't use actively use video games to, to Teach educate them. It, it's for the most part been primarily entertainment. And if they happen to learn some things from it, they have like positive they- things, then I, then that's, they have learned from like uh, Minecraft. They're like, "Can you get sick from eating raw meat?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you can get like salmonella." And so, they're yeah. like, "Because you get sick in Minecraft when you eat raw chicken." I'm like, "Yeah, you're not supposed to do that." So they, yeah, there's ancillary, you know, learning. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think we've actively gone out and tried to. What about other media? Like, have you guys like given your children a book with a specific, you know, a specific book that you want them to read or watch a specific movie, documentary? Uh, TV show books. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've given them certain books. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, not TV. I don't think. No, we put them on PBS. Yeah. They website. do use PBS website. Like for that kind of learning. That was edutainment type yeah. stuff. And I, mostly that was, I wanted them to get familiar with using a computer. And this was when they were little, but using a computer, browsing the web and then, you know, learning a little bit about, about that stuff. But I would guess maybe we're traditional in this regard. If we it's want them to learn something, we sit them down. Yeah. What I was thinking is there's a lot of games out there where the player is, is put in a great wide variety of, of situations, scenarios where through story, not necessarily, you know, actual um, edutainment kind of games, but, you know, just, just games, regular games with a story. And, and I was I was curious if, if you guys thought like, oh, you know, this might be a good way to teach them some sort of a lesson. One, one game that comes to mind is Witness. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, too. I, for anybody who doesn't know, it's, it's a puzzle game. Uh, you're given very little direction. Mm-hmm. You, you have to kind of figure everything out. And so I was playing that, and our eldest uh, was interested in it. And so I encouraged her uh, to, to play it. And uh, she did for a while. I don't think she ever finished it. Maybe no. I'll have to remind her about it. But that would be mm-hmm. something, certainly... The witness would be one where I would say, sit down and you could learn something from mm-hmm. this, right? You, you could, this the, would definitely critical be critical thinking you need would, for that game. Yeah, this would definitely be a game where you would come out of that knowing or learning something. 
I'm sure there are others like that, but uh, I'd have to think about it. And maybe maybe that's something I'd say, hey, you know what? I want you guys to maybe sit down and, and try this game out, see what you can learn. But I guess I'm, I, my, my thinking on this would be pretty limited to sort of the logic, uh, the logic and reasoning types of puzzles that video games can allow you to do. I'm not sure about going in another direction like a narrative or more of a human uh, condition, you know, sort of a, what does it mean? You know, now I'm thinking of Edith Finch or something. That, that's mm-hmm. not a game I would necessarily sit down and have them play, though maybe maybe we should. You you guys have a really active channel. You, you put out videos uh, very often and you've been doing it for a while too. Like, how does that work you know with the family dynamics and and how did you guys decided to start you know what can you guys tell me about that i think it's fair to say that starting the channel was sort of my mm-hmm. my idea right and the way it started was by watching by i was watching youtube you know i had i had always been buying and you know i i guess collecting games although what really kicked it off was um Honestly, what really kicked it off was in 2012 when I installed YouTube on my Xbox, which I think was about the time that YouTube was available to be installed on these consoles. I hadn't paid much attention to YouTube prior to that. I really just thought it was home videos that people put online to share. And um, so I installed YouTube on my Xbox and learned that, no, no, there are actually people producing content for this and they're producing content about retro games. So I started watching it. And of course, being exposed to that increased my interest in it and that's what kind of launched us into much more of the collecting but i also determined that hey you know what um two things one i know a little bit about video games now i didn't know how little i knew compared to all of these other people on youtube but i said i know a little bit about video games and i want to kind of introduce uh introduce us to the community so that we would get to know people because that was one of the things that you would need to do maybe to move to the next step of collecting right and getting you know having contacts knowing people and so i thought well maybe we should start this and we initially started it to introduce ourselves and just so if you look at our if you look at our early videos they were you know hey this is what we did we went to this expo um this is what we're currently collecting and we would do our our console you know overview videos and and uh, we weren't inter- we weren't in in the cartridge club at this time. This this predated that by a couple of years, but uh, but that was a, a segue into that too in, in the cartridge club. And so initially, we started it really to introduce ourselves to the retro gaming community at large and share with people uh, what we'd been doing and to just kind of uh, just kind of do it. Yeah, and Get out and, there. and see what happened. Then, like as we were doing it, as we were doing like pickup videos and. Our collection videos, that was also just like a way to archive like our stuff kind of, you know, yeah, that for was us fun. personally. I, yeah, I was doing that for my own, you know, yeah. amusement, right? Same thing with the spreadsheet, right? Now I had a video record of every yeah. month what I bought. And I've actually gone back and referred to some of that, although I do have it in a spreadsheet too. Yeah. So as it's grown, it's grown, usually what we do, so it doesn't really interfere with family, is we usually do it at night after the kids are in bed. And then that way, um, we're not taking away time from them or other mm-hmm. stuff that needs to get done during the day. But I do want to add that yeah. um, one thing that I thought would happen and did, and I actually approve of, is um, that our kids know that we have a channel, right? Yeah. And our eldest was interested in starting her own uh, YouTube channel. And I wanted to encourage this because I wanted her to become familiar with the technology, right? What, what, this is what the world is like now, right? People have social media, they have computers and the internet are a big part of their lives. YouTube can be too. And so I wanted to encourage her to uh, get out there and say, okay, well, you want a YouTube channel? Let's do that. And so she did one for a while on her playing Minecraft. And there wasn't, you know, she got a couple of maybe a dozen subscribers or whatever. And she'd just sit there and talk about her playing Minecraft. And my next step in that, and I haven't gotten that far is to introduce her more to to the editing, right? And, and and maybe that's a skill. Maybe that's something that she'll find interesting. Here's a video, you know, here's an editor. Learn how to use this software. Learn how to use any software. Learn how to use these computers. And so in that regard, that's still an avenue that we haven't explored much, though I'd like to. 
uh, with the kids to kind of introduce them. We've kind of protected them from social media, but having a YouTube channel is something I'm okay with because there's a lot of technical skill, I think, that, that they could learn from how to do that. And I'm by no means expert. Our videos aren't heavily produced. Um, I do it to the level that it's no longer a chore. You know, it's not a chore. And uh, so, you know, we just kind of have fun with it and do the stuff that's easy to do and what's interesting. And, and it's very personal. Um, I've tried to delve into doing more documentary or more informative videos. Those are a lot of work, so I don't do it a lot. But uh, well, I have goals to improve, but I, I want to see the kids do that too. What I see, and, and this is what actually, you know, made me want, wanted to, to talk to you guys. Like I see this, this something that is very particular, right? Um, it's a couple and they have children, they have this big collection, they live in a house and they have this quirky humor and it. You have this really great disposition and, and really like what I see from the outside, really this really healthy dynamics towards a part of gaming is and can be. Did you guys have that in your mind? Like, is it a purpose to to reflect a certain image or certain ideas or, you know, this is... Because gaming, like, if you look at it as a whole, like, unfortunately, there's a lot of toxicity in gaming. But something that I see in the, in the Cartridge Club that I like is, is a, a lot of positive, a lot of acceptance. Um, there's not a lot of... Um, you know, bullying or anything like that that happens. And is this something that was in your mind? You want to give out, you know, this this image or something like that? Or this just naturally happens and you guys are super charming? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Do you want to, I mean, I have comments, of well, course. Well, we just kind of wanted to, like, be out there. And this is just like us, you know? And so we don't, and and like Eric said, like, we don't, we're not, like, huge productionists with our videos and stuff, but that's just kind of like who we are. And so we just, we're just, it is kind of how, just how we are, and you know? And, and I don't, I don't think there was an idea like, oh, let's let, you know, let's try to show like the best side of gaming. I think it was just like, this is what we do in our lives. We have gaming in our lives. We have three kids. We include them in our lives. And, um, you know, we hope that you like us and you know, if you want to talk to us and, and interact with us, we'll do that with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I guess I want to maybe answer that in a couple of ways. One of them is I, I find that I find the question interesting because I'm naturally sort of a cynic. Yeah. And so uh, I, I think it's very easy for, for my, my negativity to, to come out. Um, so I try, I do try to keep that a little at like Melissa said, there was not a conscious effort for us to portray a certain a certain view or a certain a certain view of, of video games. Really, it was let's just do this. Let's share our interests. Let's not be. And this isn't entirely true. I there occasionally I'm mortified if somebody at work finds out that we do, you know, video game channels. But uh, but let's let's show what we do and not be too ashamed of it and just say, hey, this this is something we find interesting and. I try to be a little bit positive on it and just say, Hey, you know, we're, we're having fun with this and we, and we wanted to share with our excitement about it. And in terms of the, so in terms of the toxicity of the, of the, the general community, I, I can say that I definitely try to, um, and I, I've been doing this for years. I used to be involved in another forum about the master system back in the nineties, uh, late nineties. And there was a lot of toxicity in, in message boards and stuff back then. And I always tried to say, hey, you know what? Uh, that's not that's not necessary. That's you know that's just it's immature. It, it's not it's not the uh, it's not the kind of thing I wanted to present. So I always tried to be sort of mature and respectful of people in in message boards. And I've tried to carry that forward uh, in now in YouTube and in Twitter and stuff like that. So maybe it's a personal thing, and it, it's not. I'm not directly trying to combat. Uh, toxicity. What I'm trying to do is say, hey, th this is how I want to present myself. And I, I think, you know, this is how people should present themselves. And I, I want to answer toxicity with with respect and with uh, uh, maturity. So I guess maybe that's just something that sort of comes out of maybe maybe that's just who who we are. But the answer is no, I don't think we're purposely trying to uh, promote a certain culture. Just this is 
this is us sharing and this is how I present myself to the world. This is how we do it. And, and, you know, I, I do want to mention the cartridge club. Uh, I think, um, you know, we've been, we've been members of that for many years now. Those guys are very, uh, respectful and uh, positive and there's, there's a lot of support. And so, uh, I think we fit in there and we try to promote and, uh, push or pursue that kind of culture. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we're fine with it. And, and, and like I said earlier, going back to the kids, I think video games are perfectly normal. Uh, I think they're perfectly healthy. They, they are, they're, they're not an evil. And so we've happily introduced our kids to it. And so that's the, that's the, that's the family dynamic, I guess, that we have. And so maybe that comes through. So this is the final part. It's a questionnaire. There are 10 questions. There's no right or wrong answers. And is that okay? Yeah. Okay. The first question is a game that you love. A game that I love. I will say what I've gone on record before saying my favorite game of all time. Say Metroid Prime. I haven't finished this game, but I'm going to say Octopath Traveler. Next question is, a game you hate? Uh, I hate Grandia. I haven't played it. <laughs> <laughs> I watched him play it, and man, I hate it. I almost always enjoy every game I play, but I had a lot of trouble with Catherine. <laughs> that, it's a game I recently played, and I really did not care for it that much. But I finished it out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> Next one is... Games-wise, what turns you on? Love, love to hear about new RPGs. I always love the graphics and everything. RPGs turn me on. JRPGs. Um, I'm not sure if I can if I can answer that honestly. I'm kind of like this in my entire life. Like I don't know necessarily what I like for sure, but I know what I don't like. Actually, the next question is what turns you off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I can answer that one. I uh -huh. dislike um, constant battle in RPGs. I am a turn-based girl. Mm -hmm. I, I get turned off by um, time pressure, real-time pressure. I mean, like, there's there's pressure to do something within a certain time limit uh, in real time. The next one is a sound effect that you love. Sound effect that I love. I think it's the chain gun or something in Wolfenstein 3D. When I first got my sound blaster and blasted that thing through a, a stereo system, oh man, that was something. I like the uh, Final Fantasy battle victory mm. sound. Uh, sound effect that you hate? I hate the dinging that you get like when you're playing Zelda, when you like don't have much health left and it keeps going on and on and on. Man, can I use that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Uh, the next question is your favorite in-game power-up. Uh, I, I, the first one that came to mind was the double jump. I always think that that opens up such awesome possibilities, and I really liked it in Metroid Prime. I thought it controlled really well, and I feel so cool when I'm either using the double jump to go extra high or to go extra far. The only one that I can think of right away is the star power in Super Mario Brothers. The one that makes you invincible yeah, or something? Yeah, the one that makes you invincible. Yeah. I like being invincible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one is a game character that you would like to be. Game character? I, I would like to be villager. The villager? <laughs> yeah. I want to live in my little, Man. my little la la land. Who would I want to be? I want to be somebody like... Uh, I'll say Nathan Drake. I was gonna say you want to be he's Nathan like, Drake. He's like, yeah, he's and he can like hang <laughs> off stuff and like jump really far. And, Even when he's got like a wound in his yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, pl yeah. Plus, he can be shot and <laughs> just oh yeah, brush up. Let's say Nathan Drake because he's he's pretty athletic and he's not too you know crazy like. He's not like super buff. He's not super crazy. Yeah. A game character that you would not like to be. I would not like to be Master Chief. Because he's been experimented on, he's got a crazy life, and uh, he's, he's, he's pretty skillful, but man, his life doesn't seem very good. Who would I not like to be? 
That's a hard one. <laughs> um, this is just because it's like in my brain because it's the most recent. I'm going to say um, Primrose from Octopath Traveler. And this is the last question. So imagine you could play any game, real, unreleased, imaginary, whatever. What game would that be? Uh, any game. Uh, uh, the game that I would want to play would be Fantasy Star 5. A new single-player Fantasy Star game. You have all the best answers. Mm. I think about video games a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I want to play what I'm... So we've talked we we talked about this with the new Animal Crossing that's coming out, the New Horizons. Mm -hmm. What would be pretty cool is like, like if it's for the Switch. What I'm hoping is is that we play this for the Switch, and then you like you are like automatically somehow visiting each other's worlds. And I know that you could already do that um, in some of the Animal Crossings, but I feel like this could like open up a broader opportunity of places to go. And so that's, I guess that's where I would want to play right now. Almost like an Animal Crossing MMO. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah.